Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irv Risch. And as we move forward, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament. Uh, and with that, we're going to do a commentary afterwards. And uh, with that said, let us just move on to our next section. And thank you for joining me. Chapter 10 At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the man and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, 
he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Acts chapter 10 10 verse 1, 2 The chapter opens in Caesarea, about 30 miles north of Joppa. Cornelius was a Roman military officer. As a centurion he commanded about 100 men. He was attached to the Italian regiment. Even more remarkable than his military prominence was his piety. He was a devout, God-fearing man who gave alms generously to impoverished Jewish people and prayed consistently. Ryrie suggests he was probably a proselyte of the gate, that is, he believed in the God of Judaism and his government, but had not yet taken any of the steps to become a full-fledged proselyte. Whether he was a saved man is open to question. Those who say he was referred to verse 2 and 35, where Peter says with obvious reference to Cornelius, that whoever fears him, God, and works righteousness is accepted by him. 
Those who teach Cornelius was not saved point to 11 verse 14, where the angel is quoted as promising him that Peter would tell him words whereby he might be saved. Our view is that Cornelius is an example of a man who lived up to the light which God gave him. While this light was not sufficient to save him, God ensured that he was given the additional light of the gospel. Before Peter's visit, he did not have the assurance of salvation, but he did feel a kinship with those who worshipped the true God. 10 verses 3 to 8 At about 3 p.m. one day Cornelius had a clear vision in which an angel of God appeared to him and addressed him by name. Being a Gentile, he was not as aware of the ministry of angels as a Jew would be, and so he was afraid and mistook the angel for the Lord. The angel spoke reassuringly of God's appreciation of his prayers and alms, then told him to send south to Joppa for a man named Simon Peter, then lodging with Simon, a tanner, by the sea.49 With unquestioning obedience, the centurion sent off two of his household servants and a military attaché who was also a God-fearing man. 10 verses 9 to 14 The next day, at about noon, Peter went up on the flat roof of Simon's house in Joppa to pray. He was hungry at the time and would like to have eaten, but the meal was still being prepared down below. His hunger, of course, provided a fitting preparation for what was to follow. Falling into a trance, he saw a sheet, let down from heaven by its four corners, with all kinds of four-footed animals, birds, and reptiles in it, clean and unclean. A voice from heaven directed the hungry apostle to rise, kill, and eat. Remembering the law of Moses which forbade a Jew to eat any unclean creature, Peter uttered the historic contradiction, not so, Lord. Scroggy comments, whoever says not so should never add Lord, and whoever truly says Lord will never say not so. 10 verses 15, 16 When Peter explained his past unbroken record in the matter of eating only kosher food, the voice from heaven said, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Three times this dialogue took place, then the sheet returned to heaven. It is clear that the vision had deeper significance than the mere matter of eating foods, clean and unclean. True, with the coming of the Christian faith, these regulations concerning foods were no longer in effect. But the real significance of the vision was this, God was about to open the door of faith to the Gentiles. As a Jew, Peter had always looked upon the Gentiles as unclean, as aliens, as strangers, as far off, as godless. But now God was going to do a new thing. Gentiles, represented by the unclean beasts and birds, were going to receive the Holy Spirit the same as the Jews, clean beasts and birds, had already received him. National and religious distinctions were to be dissolved, and all true believers in the Lord Jesus would be on the same level in the Christian fellowship. 10 verses 17-23 A while Peter was pondering this vision in his heart, the servants of Cornelius arrived at the gate and inquired for him. Directed by the Spirit, he went down from the housetop to greet them. When he learned the purpose of their visit, he invited them in and gave them accommodations for the night. The servants paid high tribute to their master as a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. 10 verses 23b-29 On the next day Peter set out for Caesarea with the three servants of Cornelius and some brethren from Joppa. They apparently journeyed all day, because it was on the following day that they reached Caesarea. In anticipation of their arrival Cornelius had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter arrived, the centurion fell down at his feet as an act of reverence. The apostle refused such worship, protesting that he was only a man himself. It would be fitting if all self-appointed successors of Peter would imitate his humility by forbidding people to kneel before them. 
Finding a crowd assembled inside the house, Peter explained that as a Jew he would not ordinarily have come into a Gentile house like this one, but that God had revealed to him that he should no longer think of the Gentiles as being untouchables. Then he asked for what reason they had sent for him. 10 verses 30-33 Cornelius readily described the vision he had seen four days before when an angel assured him that his prayer had been heard and directed him to send for Peter. The hunger of the Gentile heart for the word of God is praiseworthy. He said, Now therefore, we are all present before God, to hear all the things commanded you by God. Such an open and teachable spirit is sure to be rewarded with divine instruction. 10 verses 34, 35 Peter prefaced his message with a frank admission. Up to now he had believed that God's favor was limited to the nation of Israel. Now he realized that God did not respect a man's person because of his nationality, but was interested in an honest, contrite heart, whether in a Jew or a Gentile. In every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. There are two principal interpretations of verse 35. 1. Some think that if one truly repents and seeks after God, he is saved even if he has never heard about the Lord Jesus. The argument is that although the man himself might not know about Christ's substitutionary sacrifice, yet God knows about it and saves the man on the basis of that sacrifice. He reckons the value of the work of Christ to the man whenever he finds true faith. 2. The other view is that even if a man fears God and works righteousness, he is not thereby saved. Salvation is only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when God finds a man who has lived up to the light he has received about the Lord, he makes sure that the man hears the gospel and thus has the opportunity to be saved. We believe that the second view is the proper interpretation. 10 verses 36-38 Peter next reminds his hearers that although the gospel message was sent to the Jews first, yet Jesus Christ is Lord of all Gentile as well as Jew. His audience must have heard the story of Jesus of Nazareth, it had begun in Galilee, at the time John was baptizing, and had spread throughout all Judea. This Jesus, anointed by the Spirit, had lived a life of selfless service for others, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 10 verses 39 to 41 The apostles were witnesses to the truth of all Jesus did. They traveled with him in all Judea and in Jerusalem. In spite of his perfect life, men killed him by hanging him on a stake. God raised him from among the dead on the third day, and he was seen by witnesses chosen before by God. As far as we know, the Lord Jesus was not seen by any unbelievers after his resurrection. But the apostles not only saw him, they ate and drank with him. This, of course, shows that the Savior's resurrection body was tangible, material, and physical. 10 verse 42 In resurrection, the Lord commissioned the apostles to proclaim him as judge of the living and the dead. This agrees with many other scriptures which teach that the Father has committed all judgment to the Son, John 5 verse 22. This means, of course, that as Son of Man he will judge Jews and Gentiles alike. 10 verse 43 But Peter does not linger on a note of judgment. Instead, he introduces a grand statement of evangelical truth, explaining how the judgment can be avoided. As all the prophets of the OT had taught, whoever believes in the name of the Messiah will receive remission of sins. It is not an offer to Israel alone, but takes in all the world. Would you like to know the forgiveness of sins? Then believe in him. 10 verses 44 to 48 While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. They all spoke with tongues, praising God. 
This was a sign to those present that Cornelius and his household had indeed received the Holy Spirit. The Jewish-born visitors from Joppa were astonished to think that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit as such, without becoming Jewish proselytes. But Peter was not bound to the same extent by Jewish prejudices. He sensed immediately that God was making no distinction between Jew and Gentile, so he proposed that the household of Cornelius should be baptized. Notice the expression, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. These Gentiles had been saved in the same way as the Jews' simple faith. There was no suggestion of law-keeping, circumcision, or any other ordinance or ritual. Notice, too, the order of events in connection with the reception of the Holy Spirit by the Gentiles. 1. They heard the word, that is, they believed, verse 44. 2. They received the Holy Spirit, verse 44, 47. 3. They were baptized, verse 48. This is the order of events that prevails for Jew and Gentile alike in this dispensation, when God is calling out of the nations a people for His name. It is not surprising that after this gracious work of God's Spirit in Caesarea, the believers prevailed on Peter to stay with them a few days. Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And until uh, next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here. And uh, God is in this Bible, so please read it. With that said, bye for now. Till next time.